Today I had the incredible Mimi and Hung on today's podcast. Uh, they are co-hosts of the MSG pod. Mimi is a writer, cookbook author, times two, and all-round incredible woman. Um, she has been protesting and raising awareness of what's happening in Myanmar at the moment. We talk about this quite in depth on the podcast and I really, really would love people to actually take action. I've put down in the show notes loads of resources that Mimi has kindly shared. There's petitions that you can sign, there's corporations that you can boycott and there's also a 34 minute podcast on the MSG pod talking about this specific subject talk to a um, anonymous restaurant owner about what's going on the the devastating effects of both a pandemic and a coup that's happening over in Myanmar at the moment so please please go and check out the podcast and have a listen I think when it comes to these types of topics sometimes there can be a complete apathy um, when it comes to what's happening overseas and it's really important that we all just take the time to educate ourselves I'm still learning a lot um, and thanks to the likes of Mimi as well as other Burmese people who have been raising awareness I've learned so much on social media but can you just imagine how tiring it is that she's having to see how her family is doing she mentioned on the podcast how she's staying up till 2am at the moment just to check whether they are still alive that's what's happening because the government have shut down the internet 1am till 9am and so she's not able to get in contact with them due to the time difference until 2am can you just imagine if that happened to you imagine if there was no internet in the uk we forget that this is something that is man-made and that could easily happen and so we really need to listen and understand more and educate ourselves more. I'm certainly going to do a lot of reading um, after listening to um, Mimi uh, talk about this and I would employ you to do the same. So please do check out the links and go and follow uh, the MSG pod on Instagram, which is the MSG pod. Um, Mimi is M-E-E-M-A-L-E-E -E -E on Instagram. Um, and also we had Hung on the podcast as well, who she's a professional chef. She is a someone who, a friend who I talk to on Instagram all the time. And she posts incredible, incredible food pictures. Like she cooks the most delicious things. And she's like, oh, I just whipped up a quick chicken pot pie. And I'm like, excuse me, how was that quick? That takes me hours to plan in advance. And she cooks for her whole family. I just don't know how she does it. And you can follow Hung at Mrs. Hung Black. But trigger warning, delicious food. If you follow her on Instagram, you will get jealous of the food she cooks every single day. I want to be her child. Hung, please can you adopt me? please or just send me food either or either or i really love speaking with them we've actually worked on a few projects together i was on their podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and then we were part of the uh, be seen and nano sounds came at nano sounds lunar new year live stream which was super awesome so we've worked together on a few different things now um, and we also talk on instagram quite a lot as well um i also talk about things like um my air fryer we talk about uh, families and what it's like to actually raise a family uh, a mixed race children what it's like to raise mixed race children uh, and talking about that um, as well as the differences in terms of how they were raised and how they raise their kids now and then they also at the end of the podcast give me some dating advice uh, and validation just a lot of validation <laughs> it was a very very incredibly it was an episode that has left me just 
feeling like I just need to do more in terms of my own learning as well as just it being incredibly heartwarming um they're just so easy to chat to um so I really really enjoyed this episode so I hope you do too and please also listen to the podcast if there's one thing that I want you to do is just head on over to their podcast and have a listen to what's going on straight from someone anonymous in Myanmar if you're happy and you know it clap your hands (laughs) it's like you're praying you're just trying to get your eyes closed (laughs) getting ready for prayer she thought she was in a temple (laughs) i thought i better do it i do better do it on the auditory rather than visual you see so uh, okay he was still out of time One more <laughs> no it's good i can okay. splice it together okay. don't worry cool. oh well thank you mimi and hong for joining but where are you from it's a pleasure to have you both on thank, thank you, you for, for inviting us. us thank you <laughs> yay i'm so excited i feel like we we have done quite a few things together recently so we've seen each other quite a lot haven't we over the past few weeks i feel like are you sick of this face yet? No, no. No, I feel like I mean, you're my like you're my friend now, which is nice because I don't have very many friends. So, so you know, I don't nice. have many friends either. Yay! <laughs> Yay! It's nice. It is. It's actually like um, I do really enjoy having like my online friends. You know, like there's still a lot of value in like developing these relationships on Instagram and other social media platforms, and I, I found like it's been my saving grace over the past few yeah actually it's mm. just connecting with people online which has been yeah the best thing i definitely feel less lonely for having an online community somewhere to you know mm. share my thoughts and you know have uh, similar uh, life experiences which i never had before so mm. so it's been good it's been a it's been very good I, I was just gonna say it's quite nice because obviously if you're in Warrington, right, and we're we're kind of down in London, so mm. but we might as well be in the same room because because <laughs> Zoom and all these things let us talk together, which is nice actually. So. I know, I know the power of Zoom. Mm. Um, so I want to ask you both the first question of today's podcast. But where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> where are you from? I'm I'm from Croydon. Uh, which is yeah. a sub suburb in, in South London. Uh, Kate Moss is from there. Um, Stormzy's <laughs> Stormzy's from there. Um, nice. Yes, I have been asked that question. Um, so I give them the long answer, which is I'm from Croydon, and then they'll say, "Where are you from originally?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, I was born in Glasgow, but where are you from originally?" And then yeah. you go, "Oh, yeah. Well, my parents are Chinese, but they're from Vietnam." And then 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 then, then we have to go into a history lesson if they want more information. So so that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But like, Croyd, really yeah, but yeah, but Croyd, Croydon. I mean, I haven't lived in Croydon since I was eighteen, but um, yeah, that's kind of where I grew up. So that's where I sort of have my affinities with, for uh, you know, better or for worse, really. Mm. Lovely, love Croydon. Been there a few times. What Found the train you... station loads? Well, East Croydon train <laughs> station. Yeah, I I used to go to work in uh, near um, Surrey, so I used to have to go through like Croydon to get there i think i mean the best yeah. thing about croydon is that it's really easy to get out of croydon the train station has a, has really amazing links i think there's actually one train a day we used to, virgin used to run a train um but probably don't anymore that used to run from east croydon all the way up to manchester so we could like you know back oh. in the day i could have gone up to see you from croydon all the way up to like, manchester so you know 
Yeah. You still can. You still can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi, where where are you from? But where yeah. are you from? But where am I from? Um, I kind of a little bit all over the place. I, I spent I suppose I spent most of my life growing up in in a place called Sidcup, which is like a suburb that's kind of vaguely London, but not quite. And especially during lo- lockdown, it's definitely not London because whenever I want to order stuff from London, they go, oh, you're out of our range. So <laughs> that's that's when I've been really found out that I'm not actually in London. Um, but I was born in Margate at the seaside. Um, and so I used, you know, I've had the same kind of experience. I mean, I was at Margate when I was, I don't know, teenager. I was just buying some rock and the guy in the shop was like, oh, where are you from? Um, and so I said, oh, I'm from Sidcup. And, and then he went, oh, but where are you from originally? And I went, oh, I'm from Margate, as in here. And the guy just looked at me, kissed his teeth and just walked away from me. So, <laughs> so I think he thought I was just being rude. Um, but no, my parents are from Burma, um, now called Myanmar. And we came to this country. They came to this country like three months before I was born. So I was mm. gestated in Burma. wow three months so your mum was quite heavily pregnant and then she She was but she had this thing is this weird condition called i think it's called like a retroverted uterus which Ew. meant that no one knew she was pregnant. Oh, yeah, so you, you, I, I kind you don't of... show, do you? So you feel back pain rather all. than front pain. Yeah. yeah, so she came, I mean, they oh both, my came, both my parents are doctors and they came over to work. But um, And so uh, they were. my mum was working pretty much till the day I was born because no one really knew she was pregnant. So. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, that is wild. And so so when did, so she didn't know she was having you until she, like the day she was giving birth oh no she knew but she hid it from people oh, because no it was one else convenient knew. for her yeah 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 so oh, my, obviously my, my dad knew um but yeah she you know she wasn't showing at all no she she wore a white coat as well being a doctor so it was easier mm. to hide um, that she was showing so i have never heard of that before where you, you literally don't show at all and it's what it just it's all carried in the back pretty much it means she has a really bad back you know well, yeah. i give her terrible bad back oh was it just so, you yeah. did she have that with your brother i think it got worse oh. yeah yeah basically yeah. so anyway oh my gosh wow wow what a story <laughs> <laughs> So you broke your mother's back, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, she she really ought to get it seen to. But she's I don't I don't know if if you have family like this, but she's one of those people that are incredibly paranoid. It's like even though she is a doctor, she's also very kind of well. I don't know. Maybe it's because she's a doctor. She's really mm. paranoid about stuff. Like when she's got a headache, she'll only take half a paracetamol. Oh, does Not, she? No, you oh, know. Why? Yeah, even though there? like. Because she doesn't want to take anything too like strong. <laughs> so, mom, oh, no, mom, the normal dose paras- is just two pills, two pills. But no, she will take half one paracetamol. Oh my gosh! So. I oh drop paracetamol so like nobody's business. I like <laughs> crunch the stuff. My goodness! Oh, maybe I need to look into this. I feel worried now. No. Snorting it. <laughs> I, I think it's probably just over hesitation. So I don't know. Um. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so Mimi, I wanted to ask you how you are at the moment with um, what's happening in uh, Myanmar. Uh, there's been, you've been protesting online a lot. We've seen, you've raised a lot of awareness on social media. So thank you for that. And I'm so sorry that you have to expend the energy to do that. Um, how have things been? Um, if you if you want to talk about it and you feel comfortable talking about things sure. that are happening. Sure. So, um, I mean, what, what's happening out there 
um, for the listeners, in case they're not aware, is you know, there have been the, the, there was an election in November. Um, the rightfully elected officials are all in prison right now because the military took over. There was a coup um, at the first day of February, um, and ever since then, the people, everyone, has been coming out to protest. And originally it was peaceful. Um, so I mean, no one, no one's got any guns. This is it's basically the people versus the army, mm-hmm. and the army have got the the police helping them as well. So there aren't any, there isn't anyone in authority that people can turn to. Um, and so it's it's kind of crazy because Myanmar has always been a place full of uh, a lot of conflict because there are 135 ethnic groups, um, and you know it's a country that deserves a federal democracy and has never been given a chance really to do that. Um, and so there's always been kind of a divide even within the country, even against each other. Um, but the one thing that this coup has done is it's united everyone. So like, I don't think there's a single group, not a single age, not a single religion that hasn't come out and protested. Mm. Um, and so, like I said, for the first you know few weeks, it was, fairly peaceful and you know the 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 military didn't know how to respond um and then kind of in these ways kind of inevitably they they've started using violence and so um i'm i've actually lost track at at first when the first few deaths happened it was one of those things that everybody mourns and everybody posts photos and names of the people that have died um and now you know hundreds of people have been killed um, and it's particularly brutal because um, the military have a policy of shooting people in the head. So there have been using snipers, also using the police on the ground and the military on the ground. Um, and so <laughs> it's it's a situation where have you ever, have you ever seen the, the game show called Takeshi's Castle? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that. What's happening is the people are having to build their own shields and their helmets to go out and protest. They don't have any weapons and they're just being shot on the street. Um, and it's kind of, and you know, me from the outside looking in is, you know, I, I just feel like this is awful. And also, you know, it's deja vu because this happened in 1988, um, some people say up to 10,000 people died then. Mm. Um, and in 2007, it was, a, it was a lot smaller. I think only about 50 people died then. I say only. But it's just one of those situations where every time there is something that happens, uh, just, you know, the military will just open fire and everyone around the world kind of, it's that classic thing. I and, mean, you know, we're not alone. There are other countries obviously suffering in the same absolutely hideous way mm. and but the, the problem is is that the international community not knowing what to do and how to respond um and one of the things that people are asking for right now is something called rtp which is called the responsibility to protect um mm. and it's a un principle which basically says that beyond your normal responsibility the international community needs to take a stand against people who are like the victims of genocide and war crimes mm. um so we're, we're wanting intervention not military intervention so you know we don't want people coming and bombing places yeah. but we need people to you know things like a, a full arms embargo that would be nice because mm. you know there are countries around the world still selling guns yeah um and then the latest batshit thing that happened just last night is that they've hired a pr firm in canada to explain uh, what's really happening. No. To try and whitewash uh, the, uh, the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this PR company, it's called Dick, Dickens and Madsen, has previously also done the same thing for Sudan. So oh my gosh. Uh, they're in the habit of accepting huge amounts of money to, to kind of defend dictators. Wow, so. wow, wow. That is wild. Oh, my gosh. It's really wild. I, I really just... Wild. 
Yeah, I, I really would like to see more more people sharing this because it can't fall on the people who are most affected by it. Because um, you know the most that I've seen shared on Instagram have been Burmese people. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, it would be great to see this actually. Um, the, the Western media are actually giving a shit. You know, there seems to be such apathy when it comes to um, overseas um, politics and what's going on, and it'd be. You know, it's, I can imagine it being very frustrating to feel like people aren't listening and you're you're one of the only few to be talking about it on social media. Yeah. It's, it's one of those situations, though, isn't it, where, especially in the UK, the UK government doesn't care about its own people, so why should they care about brown people in another country on the other side of the world? Mm, you know, yeah. it's inevitable. It's it's heartbreaking, but it's inevitable, you know. Mm. In fact, I saw the few times that, like, Boris Johnson said something about, oh, I stand with the people of Myanmar, they, sh- they shouldn't be, you know, shot on the streets, and it will be all the replies. All the replies are so incredibly racist. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> My favourite like, oh. one that you shared with me, Mimi, was somebody being angry with Boris Johnson because he hadn't done enough for dogs during coronavirus or something, wasn't it? it, it yeah, yeah. It, it was someone saying that the dogs were being kidnapped on the street and that was more important. Than, than you know... Uh, Teenagers and murdered. children being murdered because that's the, the thing. It, it is it is children and teenagers. You know, mm. you've got fourteen year olds and yep. sixteen year olds who are mm. being shot in the head mm. um, just because they've gone out with a big sign saying "We reject the military coup." Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like how? Like imagine if that happened over here. Imagine. Yeah. It would. The press would go. There'll be a frenzy over it. Yeah, I mean, the the you know one of the most high profile people to die so far is a nineteen year old girl who was also a pop singer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Um, I saw. Can Can you imagine if I, I'm yeah. I'm old? I don't know any pop singers in this country, but you know, if the equivalent, you know, nineteen year old pop singer got, got was murdered here on the street, shot mm. in the head. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> how would how would people feel? How would people react? Right? Yeah, so. it would be sensationalized. Mm. Um, what what can people do um, in terms of showing solidarity over here? Um, how can we help? So um, on my um, all my social media, basically, there's a, a link in my bio. It's called um, it's a link tree, and it's my username Memaly M E E M A L E E, and that's got a whole list of things. There are petitions you can sign. There are emails you can send. There's a list of companies to boycott. So international companies that are still doing business with the military, so pro- propping them up. Mm. Um, there are other resources that you can use. This <laughs> the thing I I added the most recently. So I have a lot of followers in Burma as well, in Myanmar as well, and so. Mm. So one of the things I added the most recently was like a list of mental health resources for people over there, mm. because obviously this is not a great environment for your mental health right now. No. Um, but yeah, the, 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 anything there, just sign a petition, please. That that will help. Um, yeah. The two petitions that are there at the moment, the first one is a change petition, which is asking for people to honour the 2020 election results. Mm. Um, and that's gotten just over 500,000 people now. But, you know, the more people sign it, the yeah. better. The second one is asking for the guy, the general, to be investigated for genocide. Mm. Um, now, he's Min Aung is the guy. He's currently um, up again, uh, in front of the ICJ because of his genocide of the Rohingya, who are probably the people that most people have heard of outside Myanmar. So that's one of the ethnic groups that has you know, been slaughtered by the military. Mm. Um, and that's been in the press quite a lot. So he's already on charges for that. Um, but obviously those charges need to be widened because he's now yeah. literally got the whole country at his feet. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah sign, sign these petitions, please, even if you don't want to send an email. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I really implore our listeners to do that and just show solidarity as much as we can. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't always have to fall on uh, the people who are most affected by it. I think, you know, it's I can't even imagine going through that and and how you must feel and be so worried for your family and so, you know, having to just, you know, rest and try to switch off from it is so incredibly important right now and it should be on other people to help you know bolster this movement and to be able to spread awareness so i mean i mean one of the things that they're doing is that every every night they shut down the internet in the Amar because they don't want people to kind of live stream the attacks and you know the kidnappings and so mm. from 1am to because they do it at night obviously because they're cowards a lot of the the worst stuff they do so from 1am to 9am every night the internet gets completely switched down and so with the time zone difference here it means that when they wake up at 9am it's half two in the morning here 2.30am mm. so I am actually staying up till 2.30am oh. every day to yeah. check my family is still alive oh my which gosh. is kind oh. of I um, can't even imagine that yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm not sleeping really very no. well. Just, um, just imagine, just imagine, like, you know, the things like the internet that we take for granted, I, you don't even imagine that that could be switched off over here. Like, yeah. you forget People lose their thing. shit, don't they? Like, when, like, oh Twitter, like, goes down for 10 minutes, people, yeah. like, just lose their marbles, and, don't they? And the thing about Myanmar also is the infrastructure has is so bizarre and, and, and it kind of got developed very quickly in the past few years, mm. which means that people phone each other using the internet. Mm. Like normal phones don't work out there. Mm. So it means that they can't even contact each other, let alone the outside world. Yeah. Um, so. Really scary. That's really scary. Um, well, I hope you look after yourself because, you know, that's that's really important and and you know, sending solidarity to your family over there as well. Um, I just really <laughs> hope, I really hope that the other countries actually do something rather than just issuing, n- like, nothing statements, you know. Like, we've seen yeah. the UK have issued a statement and it means nothing. It says, we stand with you, great. <laughs> great. great, okay, but what are you just, actually going to do? Just watch everyone die then. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, but, yeah, I, I wanted to really talk about that and give that the space on the podcast and for people to really actually just take action from this as well that's the most important thing like it's all well and good for us to to listen but also taking action doing things like Mimi said like signing the petition um boycotting the companies that are um helping this movement and supporting Mm. the military you know all that stuff is really we found out recently that Hilton has a hotel that it co-owns with the military in the capital of course it does if you've ever been to a Hilton or you know have Hilton member points if you if you want to drop them a line on the have your say contact form and say why why have you got a hotel with the military that'd be great (laughs) that kind of thing yeah yeah I think people forget actually and I I, that's certainly a good reminder for me as well certainly I forget you know things like corporates like the Hilton are involved Mm. in things politically and actually that can that can do a lot if they Mm. if they denounce their kind of involvement that could mean so much to uh, it could do have a lot of impact so so definitely that's really good to good to know um so we'll we'll pop the links in the show notes so people can can check them out as well so thank you for um educating us and all of that and i really hope that uh, i just really hope it stops <laughs> i really hope thank you yeah. <laughs> we want to talk about something that you both have been working on at the moment the msg podcast the msg pause <laughs> yay <laughs> yay <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you want to tell us about why you both started the podcast um, and and why is it so important to let people know that MSG is not bad for you? Somebody said to me, you guys should start a podcast because it'd be interesting to hear you talk. Um, and so I approached you via, you know, uh, I texted you, didn't I, saying, oh, someone wants to start a, start a podcast. And then you took it very seriously. <laughs> And then so so here we are. I was just I was joking, um, I was but yeah. Joking. And then we just started sort of thinking. Well, what would the podcast be about? You know, what would yeah. we talk about? And yeah, what do we talk about, Mimi? Talk about food <laughs> and uh, racism in the food industry. And what yeah. what better way uh, to encapsulate that than uh, you know the history of MSG and how it's seen in the West? I think is partly yeah. where what it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, you yeah, you said you tried to get me to do it by myself, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah, um, I, mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be on it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and then yeah. I went, I'll do, I, I'll do it if you do it, because I'm not doing it by myself. Um, yeah, no, like Hung said, like the thing about our podcast is like, yeah, it's a trap. Um, but <laughs> we, we 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 kind of build it sort of as being you know about all things foodie, and it's it's kind of only very tangentially about food. Mm. So although obviously an important thing for us is to highlight that MSG is safe, and there's been a lot of unnecessary bad press. Yeah, it's it, it, it's the hook for talking about other issues mm. um, and getting people on to talk with us who either because we really respect what they have to say and for actually for everyone we've spoken to we respect what they have to say so you know it's it, it's it's either people who we think need to be listened to need to be heard like yourself um or people that we really want on our show because um not necessarily in the way that they normally are if that makes any sense so for instance we, we had dan leopard on um and we didn't you know, normally people would just talk about baking, and obviously he did talk about baking, but then he also talked about you know socialism, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you know uh, we we had um, Tim Anderson on, who is who won Master Chef a few years ago, um, and has a Japanese restaurant, and he's also a friend of mine. And spent I spent <laughs> I spent quite a long time kind of talking to him about his connection to the Japan and you know issues of cultural appropriation. So. Um, it, it's trying to trying to get people to understand. I mean, a, a cultural appropriation—that's one of the big things, right? Because yeah. that's that's something that people misunderstand. Some people do it deliberately, mm. um, and so it is kind of important to get the message across that you know we're cool with a white man cooking Japanese food. You know, <laughs> that's not what we have an issue mm. with, and so it's it's allowing us to have a platform that we you know a platform that we built ourselves to be able to say more than the however many characters that Twitter lets you say. Um, yeah. Because the other problem with things like social media, um, you, you, your words get taken out of context. Totally. You can't hear nuance. Yeah. Um, and also I've been told to get off Twitter a few times now. <laughs> so... <laughs> So people can't tell me to get off a podcast. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> Mimi does have a, a platform as a food writer. Mm. Um you know, Mimi will, and what she says, especially in the context of cultural appropriation, often gets misrepresented, mm. doesn't it? I think, like, I think uh, Mimi was quoted for, was it The Spectator? Yeah. And basically <laughs> the way it was framed was that it was kind of like, the way that it was framed was that Mimi basically wants to bring down 
Western civilization or something. White culture. White, white culture, sorry. That it, was, the words yeah. were white yeah, culture. I mean, white, <laughs> culture. Down, well, white culture on her own. Right. He wanted to bring it down to his knees and it's like, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> title. But, but can I Mimi. say, oh, all I bloody said was it'd be nice if someone other than Rick Stein presented a TV show. Oh my yeah, god. That was it. what I said. Oh my god. Do you know what? What even is like white culture anyway? Who knows? Like Who it's, knows? it's stolen culture. <laughs> it's stolen it from everyone else. See, I we've just... not gone as far as to say that yet. <laughs> oh, shit. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm happy for you to do it. <laughs> I don't. I don't have your your following at all. I, I, I'm public eye, so no one's going to pick up on that. It's fine. Um, I've just realised that I've not actually. You, we've not actually talked about like what you both do. <laughs> that might be quite helpful. <laughs> I should have done that half an hour ago. What do you both do? What do you both do? For those who don't know. So my day job is I'm I'm a professional chef. Um, and then I co-host the podcast with Mimi, and so uh, I think my hobby is scrolling through Instagram. Basically, I think that's kind of who I am at the moment. It's kind of it's been a funny year. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, professional chef. Um, but it's a bit it's a bit like um, I guess for all of us how it was going to school really because by day I cook um, like European food. Um, I don't work anywhere Asian, and then at night I come home and cook Asian food. So <laughs> that's kind of there's a bit of a sort of uh, two things going on there in terms of my cooking cooking life. Yeah. Oh, I see. You're struggling both. both yeah. What, yeah. Which one do you prefer cooking? Well, I don't. Cook, I don't work anywhere particularly foodie. So, mm. the, the bit where I enjoy most and where I feel most creative and at home, I suppose, is is in my home cooking because I've, you know, mm. I'm free to kind of do what I want and cook it to the best of my ability. Whereas, like working in in a professional environment, you're kind of like there's lots of constrictions, you know. Yeah. Um, like costings and menu stuff basically like which you have yeah. to follow um yeah so it, it means i'm not creative in my in my you know sort of uh, my work life yeah so which is why i kind of use my instagram as, as a diary for you know what i come up with at home in, in the time that i have at home so. oh i love your i love your instagram so much for yeah. like you you just write like i oh, just whipped up a five course dinner <laughs> a, li- a little quick <laughs> little chicken pot pie and i'm like <laughs> a little quick chicken pot pie that's like a whole event for me. No, but you're from the north. You know that a pie isn't a pie unless there's a bottom to it. So if it's just got a pastry lid, it's yeah. not really a pie. It's a cheats pie, isn't it? So that's half the work, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah, say that. Yeah. But still, you have to then like... like there's, there's so many components to that. I'm very much a one-pot kind of person or an air fryer type of person. Yeah. And you're cooking for a family as well. Yeah, and but... And it's like there's so many different things on the table. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, How? Well, if you ever look, though, it's always like one one plate would be like some pickles, and another plate would be something raw, like some cucumbers, and then another thing would be like a fried egg. So it's not it's not like it's not a lot. It's not a lot of work. Um, you're, you're downplaying it. You're downplaying. Um, but your pot you, you so you do like you do like one pot food. So whatever you put in your one pot, you just put a pastry lid on top, and it's a pie, isn't it? So, <laughs> that's it. That's it's it. That's it. Yeah, we oh, can right, do okay. like you can do like a congee's pie if you wanted to. Ooh. Oh like yeah! Have you have you seen my my con cheese? Um, me, uh, like Hong is the only person that really validates me when it comes to <laughs> my, my weird food creations. So I, I was like, I've put cheese in my con cheese. People are like that's disgusting. Why would you do that? And I'm like, because I feel like it tastes good. <laughs> I like it. No, I feel like you have uh, you've influenced one person because I saw Faith from um, British Chinese Beers. She put some oh, cheese yeah, on her congee and she gave it a thumbs up. 
is this like the korean thing is it like cheese slices or is it grated cheese what do you, what kind of cheese are you using um, so what i use is uh, <laughs> to bring mature, out the flavor yeah to bring out the flavor the umami flavor is uh, mature ch- cheddar cheese is what Ooh. i use yeah um, and do you favor a, a grated cheese or a slice oh a grated cheese because it melts into the con the congee you see it's going to be a thing. It is watch, going to be watch, a watch thing. Watch space. There is, um, there's a dish, a Japanese dish called Doria, which is basically mm. like a gratin. Um, it's like very soupy rice, which has like sometimes seafood, sometimes beef and mints in it, um, topped with a layer of cheese, and that's baked in the oven. There you there go. We go. Um, so... <laughs> there we go. Because I've I had this business idea, and I don't know whether I should tell, like, say it on the podcast because don't someone might steal it. You can, don't <laughs> give it away. <laughs> It's basically combining chi- like Chinese food or Asian food with cheese to the Western market because <laughs> we yeah they they already do it in Asia. You they make, yeah, they it. already do it, and you'd make so much money because you know mm. people love cheese, don't they? Do yeah. it, yeah, do, do it, do it. Yeah. Do you think what would you call idea? it? Oh, yes. yeah. I would call it. Can you chai should call cheese. it con cheese. We need to broaden it out so it's not just con- <laughs> congee. So I would call it chai cheese or cheese knees. Um, cheese knees. <laughs> Knees? What? Oh! Like Chinese. Oh, God, I was thinking knees as in part of my leg. I was so confused. Cheese knees. It sounds like a condition. Uh, I think it'll be delicious. Can we imagine the spring roll, though? Like a spring roll with, like, oozy, cheesy feeling coming out of it. Because they really do it over there, don't they? Yeah, my dad put that in uh, our takeaway. Number 22B, cheese and ham rolls. Like um, a bit like croquetas, right? The Spanish stuff. Yes, 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 exactly. So if anyone steals my fucking idea, I will cut this out. Cut this out. (laughs) Don't don't keep this in the podcast. It's important. (laughs) Mimi, what what do you do? What do I do? Um, (laughs) not a lot. Um, (laughs) I'm 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 a freelance um, writer and editor. Um, Mm. so I'm you know I'm basically for hire. Although because I've got well because I've been homeschooling, I haven't really had much space to do anything. Um, but they're going back to school, so if anyone wants to hire me, please do. (laughs) Yeah, before the next lockdown. (laughs) Don't say that. And you've got you've released it. You published a book as well. A cookbook. Two. Oh, oh yeah, two books. Two books. Should, yes, of course. Should probably point that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you should point that out. I think you should point that yeah. Out. No. So I, I've I've written two cookbooks. Um, first one's called Noodle with an exclamation mark, which is why I said that in that stupid Noodle? way. Um, <laughs> Noodle. <laughs> um, and then and not my choice. It's part of a series, which are all called things like soup. Um, and, <laughs> Um, and then my second one um, is Bemi's food. Um, it's not called that. I'm just obviously very hysterical right now. Um, it's called Mandalay Recipes and Tales from Bemi's Kitchen. Um, and yeah, that, that's Bemi's food. Um, that came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my pride and joy. And Mimi's dedicated. Just, uh, my name's in, in Mandalay, which I'm really, the only time I'm going to see my name in print. And you've, you've like did a list of dedications to friends, and my name's on the bottom of it. Which is really oh my nice. gosh, that's so sweet. The, the funny, it's so cute. No, list. I wasn't. I was the last, which I think is the most important because it's the yeah. final thought, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, final well, thought. No, the, the thing about that, right, is that I had to write my acknowledgements, acknowledgements in 2018. We hadn't even met yet, um, I don't think, actually. No, life. we hadn't. I want to know so how I, you I, met. I want to know how you met. As well, well, no, no, no. But listen, though, I'd, I'd known her online for years at that point, but I didn't know her surname because she had a pseudonym. On, on Twitter she's now changed to her real name but um, she had this fake name for a very long time which I'm going to tell everyone because it was no, so no. well let me, as well. 
<laughs> yeah, so basically, when I joined Twitter, which was the end of 2012, um, everyone had fake names. So me, me, Mimi was Mimily, and everyone was, was like Food Etchin, whatever, whatever, and other various names. And so I was like, okay, I've got to come up with a food name because then that slightly links into my interests and stuff. Like that. And at the time, I had been watching a lot of Food Network and been watching a lot of uh, Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives with Guy Fieri. So I went... And then he he always uses the idea of Flavortown, and you've, you know we're taking this thing to Flavortown. So I was like, okay, I'll be Mrs. Flavortown, but I spelt it with a U because I'm British. So I was Mrs. Flavortown for a long time on on Twitter, and then I kind of went off Twitter for about three years because my phone broke and I didn't get a new one. <laughs> but then the name stuck. And when I came back on, suddenly everyone was using she was their still real names, Mrs. and I was like, I'm not sure if I want to put out my real name because it's a kind of a place where I could sort of mm. moan about my work and but, colleagues and things like that so it was kind of like a, it's just kind but, of but like the, anonymous shouting in the dark you know that's what, yeah. what I use my Twitter for but then kind of Twitter yeah. changed and then like you know Donald Trump had an account and suddenly it became a very different space <laughs> and so I kind of wasn't I'm not very I'm not active at all on, on Twitter anymore so. but but the issue with that was that because I only knew you by your fake name I didn't know your real name and I wanted to put you in my acknowledgements but I didn't want to tell you where I was doing that yeah and so I had to mess I had to message you and I'm like um What's your name? And then, then she got really paranoid. She was really paranoid because she's like, exactly, like because I I don't think I even knew her first name at that point. And really? it's like, no, no, seriously, what, what, what's your name? And then, and then she got really paranoid. And then I don't think I told you one. I just went, oh, it's for a thing. And yeah. I think she thought I'd put her some no, some kind think... of like blacklist or something. <laughs> I've had I've had my phone for um, so then I had then I got a new phone which actually worked. So because I got my husband to get me. Um, a present which was to, so he would pay for my phone basically and then because I had that and then I was working with some young people because I have a lot of young colleagues mm. um, <laughs> and they said oh we think you'd like Instagram because there's lots of food on there so why don't you try yeah. Instagram so I, I went on I downloaded the app and I went on and I went oh I wonder if you know some of the people I used to follow on Twitter are on here so then I you know looked me and me up and a few others up and then um, I think I um, commented on one of your dishes and then you said and then you sent me a DM saying is this Mrs. Flavortown from Twitter and I was like oh no you were using a picture of your daughter and I know what she looks like. Oh my god, that's actually really romantic. <laughs> it is, it is what's, the, what's the equivalent of a bromance for girls? I don't know. A, a gal pal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, then, yeah. um, and then you're like, well, where have you been for the last two years? And then I said, oh, I was yeah. not intentional. My phone, my phone broke, so I couldn't, couldn't, like, couldn't use it, so... So you just didn't have a phone for like two years. Yeah, but, so I had a phone, mm. but because the screen had cracked, not a smartphone. So I could only I had a smartphone, but the screen had cracked, so I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't actually. It was too frustrating to actually type on the <laughs> keyboard. Um, so I just didn't. So the only reason why I had it was so that I could phone home, like phone phone my husband when I needed picking up or whatever. So that was the mm. only reason why I had it. So I didn't even yeah. send text messages to people really. So really, and, and yeah. now, now you're back on the social media game. Now. Well, now I have an iPhone seven, so until that, mm. and then I've got I get a I get an update. I'll get a new one in. October this year, I think. So then mm. I'll go to the next one, to an eight. Wow. What number are we on now? Twelve. 13? Oh my god! Yeah, twelve. I'm, I'm still on the six. I'm on the six. So yeah, I've got better technology than you. Yes, it's so shit. It breaks all the time, and the the screen is cracked. It's terrible. But oh. I'm so stingy that I won't buy a new one until it's like you know my my fingers are being like cut by the screen. By the, oh, by the glass shards yeah, coming off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you so you oh, both dear. met as online twitter friends originally yeah 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 and have because, you met in yeah. person yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so like um Do you yeah and meeting? then no, mimi suggested it she said um yeah we should meet up because we kind of knew that we live like southeast mm. and then i sort of said do you know i'm overweight mimi <laughs> <laughs> which is the weirdest <laughs> bloody thing ever <laughs> 
And I was Rather like, than like and? <laughs> I think because I'm a, 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 I'm plus size and but I haven't always been plus size and um it's been quite a sort of strange journey for me to kind of like uh sort of accept this body and and what it's achieved you know because I have you know uh had two kids and stuff like that and you know I haven't bounced back um but that's okay you know and I'm, I'm okay with that now but for, but for for a long time I wasn't and I suppose like you know I do get quite sort of socially anxious and mm-hmm. part of that is is wondering whether and how I'll be treated because because I am plus sized, I think. Mm. Which is why I kind of said to me, yeah, "Do you know I'm fat? You know, do you still want to be my friend even though I'm fat?" You know, so it's it's, it's a weird yeah. thing to thing to kind of sort of uh, have to I don't know manage or accept really. Um, mm. And I'm I'm in a, in a much better place and a much better place in kind of like acceptance for like mm. my size and who I am and things like that. But um, but yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, fat shaming is very prevalent in in you know society. Um, yeah. and obesity is sort of, you know, you know, it's a medical condition. It's, it's very medicalized and, um, you know, and I think it, it's so complicated. Um, and I think, you know, because I am interested in food and I do work in the food industry, um, I think sometimes it comes across as a lifestyle choice, um, which, mm-hmm. which brings in a lot of shame, I think. Yeah. yeah, sorry, got really deep there, didn't it? <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> no, no I think really that's really good. I yeah. think it's really important to talk about these kind of these kind of things, and I think especially within Asian cultures as well. Mm. Um, and when we when we look at those ideals, um, that I, I guess I'm just thinking about my family and how they brought over so many ideals when it came to like the body image and size, and and that normalization of like just calling someone out when they when they have put on a bit of weight and mm. and how it's so accepted and and how damaging that can be and and mm. how even like for me as a straight sized person how like uh, I have so many privileges but then even when I think about my own body image and just how like I've gone through a journey of like accepting that like I'm not the same size as I was when I was 17 <laughs> like mm. you know and I can't you know it's it's definitely been exacerbated by, um, you know, culture. Yeah, our society and our culture. You know, both Western and Eastern standards of beauty, and mm. just living in this world as someone who is like British-born Asian is it's so confusing because you're trying to kind of mm. pander to both in a way. You see what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so the thing is, I think I'll try, try and sort of make light of it now and kind of joke about it because I'm not going to say, well, at least with fat shaming in, you know, in Asian cultures, at least there's a good meal that comes with it because, you know, my my, <laughs> my in-laws fat shame me all the time, but, you know, but they, yeah. they respond by not, you know, giving me very nice, you know, adequate dinner, basically, <laughs> <as> adequate <laughs> quantities. But, <laughs> but is that not part of the problem I've always found? My mum does mm. the same thing. She's like, oh, my God, you're so fat. Eat this. And it's like kind of it's like oh, yeah, cycle of what the hell? Stop feeding me then! I mean, I've only been to my to like I've been to an all you can eat with my dad twice, mm. and he's tiny. Mm. Um, but he decimated Cosmo. He got he got his like thirty pounds worth because he managed to eat, he eats more than me. So I don't understand how he's so thin and can yeah. eat so much. Is it nervous yeah, I'm energy? Size, size that I'm, I yeah, it's just. I mean, a lot of it is metabolism. Yeah, a lot yeah. of it is metabolism. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, there's definitely a fat gene in my family because my mum's side are a little bit, you know, on the chunkier side. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. It is what it is, and you know. 
So you first said you, you, that was the first message you sent back, rather than I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, meet her. yeah, basically. And yeah. then I thought she was making excuses. <laughs> Probably <laughs> was, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to meet you. <laughs> Very weird. Excuses. You don't want to be friends. Um, but then, yeah. um, but then I, then I invited you around for dinner, didn't I? I yeah. invited you and your kids um, around for lunch. Um, but then I said, but I'm not cooking for you because I'm too scared to cook for you. <laughs> so you can come round, but we'll have we'll have takeaway because it's too frightening to cook for you. Mm. Which is ridiculous um, because I'm a home cook and she's a professional chef. So <laughs> yeah, but I'm like you know That's what I cook okay. at work is very different to what we cook at home. So but um, but yeah, you yeah. know she's um, at that time you'd already published Noodle. Um, so I don't know. I was just very intimidated by by cooking for somebody yeah. who who is like a food writer. Um, but I did. I cooked you some chicken fur, didn't I? I made you fur down. It was lovely, and, um, and you were really kind about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, she can kind. Come. She can come back. No. So, like, she goes, but then she posted on her Instagram. Oh, I just I just been to um, her house for for lunch, and she's made the best best chicken fur I've ever had. And you actually got a little bit teary because you were like, I've never eaten homemade chicken fur before. No one's ever oh, made it no. at home. No, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. so can sweet. I also say that, that that a couple of days ago, um, Hung sent her husband round with a care package for me because she knew that I was having a hard time, oh my and God. it was it was bumbuhui, which is like, and that's horrible pronunciation. I do apologise, but basically it's a it's like a lemongrass beef soup noodle, which is my favourite Vietnamese dish. Oh my! God. And like she just sent him round with like a package for me. <laughs> that is the sweetest <laughs> thing. Food is the language of. Like the ultimate language of love, like <laughs> oh my god, Hong, that is the cutest thing in the world. Well, I just it? I just don't like seeing people. You know, I don't know. I mean, like, there's not much, you know, because like, I think a low way that we sort of show a care and affection for each other is, you know, um, in Asian culture, is to sort of do acts of services, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's not much other than signing the petitions and um, you know emailing MPs and stuff like that I feel like there's not very many ways I can practically help Mimi in, in mm. you know in what the work that she's doing mm. um, so I just want to make sure she's fed okay at least have one decent have one meal you know that's, that's a home, home yeah, she says like well, she she sent yeah. me enough for like four meals I'm not kidding <laughs> well I sent you enough for two so you have to share with, with, with your husband <laughs> no, to, so. no I haven't been sharing don't think that I've shared anything with him this has just been me <laughs> This is just for you. You're the one yeah. going through trauma right now, not your husband. I ordered him a pizza. So. <laughs> he can get a little pizza, a little Domino's pizza. Not Domino's, not Domino's. anything but Domino's. Anything but Domino's. Oh, well, that's so sweet to hear about your friendships. I'm going to ask you both something that will might might make you both feel a bit uncomfortable and awkward. What is What is the one thing that you both treasure about each other in your friendships? I feel like I can literally say anything to Mimi. Like any like shit that comes out of my head, I will I will say to Mimi, and I will get a response pretty instantaneously. And um, <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I think you know, if I'm wrong or if I haven't understood something, you will call me out on it. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like you hesitate to like sort of try and sugarcoat it in any way. So I think there's an honesty yeah. there, which I really appreciate from Mimi. Yeah, and and the same. I, I think I think her hung kind of knows everything about me, warts and all. She also knows, she also knows the people I hate. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> she's got so much dirt on me. Uh, but no, seriously, she I, I, she's she's someone that knows everything about me and accepts accepts all of that. Um, but is also incredibly kind. Um, yeah, I love her. <laughs> 
Sorry, very embarrassed look her, now. But yeah. Look at her face. <laughs> sorry, I know. I made, I made you both feel awkward intentionally. Oh. So, I'm sorry. I think, I think it's good that we can, you know, we can chat chat shit with each other basically and and i think and i haven't i haven't had a friendship like this since i was a teenager really so and it's kind of quite interesting because we didn't grow up with each other so we but we only met you know as as adults you know and i think i i think i met you online when you were pregnant with your daughter you know so yeah. we've always so it's kind of like because i've got my friends from school who i've grown up with and i, I love dearly but i've not made very, very many close friends as an adult i think um so that that's that's been mm. you know so that's been really nice for me it's been good for me so the, the the other thing that I think Hung has said about me as well is that I think Hung was probably my, <laughs> it sounds really bad, but it's, I think she's like my only Southeast Asian friend who isn't a member of my family. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's primarily, to be fair, because I grew up in a very white neighborhood mm. um, and I've only really worked with white colleagues um and yeah. so, so yeah i, I yeah, there you know i've had south asian friends and i've had east asian friends but southeast asians from my neck of the wood are pretty pretty few and far between mm. um so it, it's really nice to, to 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 know someone who has had a very similar experiences to me yeah um so yeah that's been really and i think because nice. we're, we're yeah. similar age and so we have sort of same reference points as well so we can talk yeah. about like noodles but then we can also like mention like Britpop you know circa 1995 and minor indie <laughs> bands that we might have been into you know when we listen to like evening session you know on like Radio 1 back in the day you know so it's things like that as well so mm. it's kind of like have, yeah. have a lot in common in that sense so yeah oh my gosh mm. just listening to your friendship is so sweet <laughs> like, I want that I feel like just... um yeah with the with the B scene um you know pals even though we a lot of us haven't met on in real life yet i've only met charlie and amy in person um there's a lot to be said for kind of you know even though the friendship might be a short um a short amount of time you you might not have known each other very long but if you find that kind of like commonality in something then i think it it can really really mean a lot and then you don't know it's it's missing until you found it and you're like oh my god yeah i can talk about so many things with you guys that like you know and obviously like with my long-term friendships and my, my white friends there is like i treasure them dearly as well mm. um but there is just you know there's friends i think serve different purposes and some some can fulfill you more than others in ways that you didn't know you needed until you found it um and i think that's mm. that's really enriching and, and lovely to to be able to have that yeah. i mean i didn't know how much i needed to have friends who could talk about rice cookers with basically <laughs> 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 Or can talk about like putting cheese cheese on like your congee or whatever you know and, um, yeah. and that's and that's been the thing that's been missing in in my life you know so that's been it's been really quite powerful for me really yeah 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 I mean because the other thing with with her and I is that we we both we, we both have white husbands and we both have oh it's so race, funny yeah we both have mixed race children as well right um, yeah as we a do a, we do a contrast to compare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is exhibit A. This is the first child. <laughs> well, no, it's very much a kiss. We, we, our children. I don't know why have very mm. similar personalities as well. Really? Um, yeah. So, like, our, yeah. our older children are both quite similar, and our younger mm. children are both quite similar. And so, yeah. there's that kind of weird compare and contrast happening. Um, and then also, we can we can gripe to each other about our in laws and. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, so in terms of like, I wanted to ask actually about your families because you both have kids and what. What parenting styles do you feel like you've kept from you both growing up um, with immigrant parents, um, and what's different to how you how you raise them? Do you feel like there's like distinctions between 
how you were raised and now? Well, I don't hit my kids, so that's the first point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the first point, and I tell my Sorry. kids I, I love them like a hundred times a day because you know oh. because people don't say that, do they? In like you know our, our generation of parents yeah. will never tell our kids you know that, that you know that they that they love us, you know. Um, mm. And so I you know and I lost my mum when I was quite young. I lost my mum when I was nineteen. And, you know, I'm sure she did love me, but she never said it. And yeah. and so there's always that kind of question mark over it. So I kind of tell them every day. And I, and I say to them, you know, because when I'm gone, I want you to know how much I love you, you know, and I don't you ever, I don't want you to ever think that I didn't or, you know, so I want you to know. So that's why I tell you a million times a day. Um, we're very, I'm very physically affectionate with my kids. You know, I hug them and kiss them all the time as well, mm-hmm. which um, I didn't have with mine. Um but what I have taken from my parents is that I make sure that they're fed properly. Um, mm. We sit down at the table to eat. Um, they they really love rice, and I didn't really kind of I didn't really plan that, but they really enjoy it. So mm. so you know so some, sometimes when we haven't eaten rice for a while, then we have a rice meal, and then they'll be like, "Oh yeah, proper food." Yeah, and that's coming from them, and that, that's, <laughs> that's not indoctrination me. from my part, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I and I kind of, you know, I encourage them, and I say I congratulate them, I celebrate their achievements. Um, and but I do try and sort of encourage them to try their best in their schoolwork I think and I think I've got that from from my parents I mean my parents did it in a way where you know they wanted me to work hard they couldn't help me with my work but they wanted me to work hard so you know to make a better life for myself as an adult Mm. um and they never congratulated me and if you know I got 99% on something they would concentrate on the 1% I didn't get well, you know, it didn't do well on, you know, but um, but I still think like the kind of like, a sort of value, um, hard work and putting all your all into, you know, their schoolwork, for example. So that's kind of what I've taken from my parents, and hopefully instilling in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's lovely. It, it's make it. It makes me think about how different I would be in raising my kids. You know, we had the love from our parents, but like in a very pragmatic way, like you said, like just making sure that we were fed very well and like really wanted us to do well in school despite the fact like they you know they never read to us as kids mm-hmm. and like I didn't realize I was lacking that until I got a lot older and then I was with like my white colleagues and everyone was talking about these child like childhood books that they loved when they were younger mm-hmm. oh my god I remember like the hungry caterpillar and all these like the tiger came to tea and I was like I've not read any of those mm-hmm. I literally don't know I don't I couldn't tell you the plot <laughs> I couldn't tell you the plot <laughs> of any of those and like it was only like um meeting I guess other friends who had the same experience where their parents wouldn't read to them but then they would show their love in other ways or there was an understanding that they were working at the takeaway because they had to survive and you know that's kind of how they showed their love in that way um rather than the I guess the more western ways of um expressing love we, d- we didn't have any books in our house growing up and that was no. partly from um being you know refugees and having no money basically you know mm. so we had hardly any books and but then yeah they wouldn't have been able to read to us because they didn't speak read very much english or, or speak english you know <laughs> yeah, whereas, so, whereas now my kids have loads of books i've made sure they have have like lots of books and things like that but even now my husband tends to do the bedtime story i don't mm. i don't tend to do the bedtime story so i don't know maybe you know i should do more of the bedtime story I mean, I do, I do occasionally, but it's yeah. not, it's not like, it's not part of my, it's not my, yeah. it's not one of my, we have to delegate what duties yeah, we yeah. have. And it's not one of mine. So yeah. 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 And that's fair enough. You cook yeah. them five course meals. Yeah. And then do the washing <laughs> up. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi, what about yourself? Um, Very similar to her. I guess mm. the, the only, the only thing uh, that's different is that um, I don't even feed my kids that well. <laughs> <laughs> 
happy to give them fish fingers most of the time. I'm, fish fingers it's are terrible. Good. Uh, yeah, they're good. You know, I, I have, a, I have a. I have a terrible complex, actually, just from following her on her Instagram, just because she puts, she, she does see these bloody amazing feasts every night. Oh. And I'm like, I made some macaroni cheese for the kids. <laughs> and that's about it. You know to make macaroni <laughs> cheese, but no, listen, but to make macaroni cheese, you've had to, like, make a roux, which is a bit technical. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. You've added, you've added some mustard, you grated some cheese, you made some milk, you, you heated up the milk, you know, you made the cheese sauce. It's one pot cooking. And then the pasta
<laughs> Work smarter, not harder. Fair enough. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. I, I, gave, I, I did give. I gave my kids a speech the other day, though. Actually, because I said, well, as a person of color, you always have to work harder than everybody else. Yes. So I've, I've really kind of, mm. I don't know, drummed it into them. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I said, so you all have to work hard, mm. and so like, don't do the minimum. Mm. Yeah, do do more because you can, and you're smart enough to. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, really. But I think I was just—I was probably—I was projecting, and I just went on a rant of pants, basically. So, uh, considering yeah, the state yeah. of the world, I think it probably still mm. is the case. Yeah. At least give them that warning, you know. Whether yeah. they take that warning or not, it's up to them. But yeah. yeah. How how do you both talk to them, or how have you talked to them both about their identity? Um, has has have they ever like been curious to ask? I I I've kind of really badly completely avoided the issue. And my my daughter was reading a book the other day, and she was telling me it was about a little girl who um was uh, purple, and she went to school, and everyone at school was red and blue. Um, and they all made fun of her and said, oh, you're not the same colour as us, you're purple. And then she, there was like parents' day and she brought her parents and one of her parents was red and one of her parents was blue. And they all went, oh, how is it you have parents who are those colours and you're purple? And then, you know, it's just like a whole, just a metaphor, right? Mm. Um, and she told me how much she enjoyed it. Um, and I said to her, you do know you're the purple girl, right? Mm. And she didn't. And then I thought, oh, oh God, I'm such a yeah. bad mother that I hadn't explained to her <laughs> that, that she was the purple girl and that I was red and her daddy was blue. Mm. And that's the situation. Because I don't think there are any other mixed race children in her school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everyone at her school is red or blue. Mm. Um, so I kind of, I, I, I explained it to her. And the thing is, I guess because she is very young and also very accepting, she just went, oh, okay. And she, you know, oh, she wasn't bothered bless. by it. She just thought, oh, okay, that's one more thing to understand. Yeah. Um, How old so. is she? She's just turned eight. Mm. Um, so, yeah. What about yourself? Mm. Um, I've <laughs> much more of a sledgehammer approach to it. Basically. <laughs> I'm kind of like, yeah, your dad's white. I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm Chinese. I'm actually I'm Chinese Vietnamese, so that's all complication. Um, mm. And and but you you look visibly asian um and these are the prejudices that you will come up up against and, and come across and you know and then but we sort of sort of try and do it in a sort of celebratory sort of way and then you know this is who you are don't be ashamed of it you know both parts mm. are, are equal and important um and i think i've indoctrinated my son enough that there was there was a racist uh, racial incident at school where where one uh white kids um made fun of my son's skin color and made some fun of his uh, friend's skin color his friends who's black mm-hmm. and then my son just went straight to teach and reported him amazing you know and then it. it was amazing and then they school mm-hmm. dealt really well with it they told us about the incident and they they invited the child's um you know who made the comment um in for a meeting and it and went on his file basically so they took it very seriously Mm. Um, and then wet, a wet play time um, last term um, before lockdown, um, the teachers were going to put Annie, the 1982 version, on. And there's, I don't know if you've seen Annie, the 1982 version. There's a, there's basically there's a there's a Chinese butler mm. who every time he's on the screen it has like Ching Chong Gong music and stuff basically. Oh, and then we, we we had watched Annie because um, the school had done a production of it. And then, um, you know, and then when we watch TV and we see these kind of incidents happening, we're quite, you know, we're very critical, obviously. And um, so my son said, oh, no, I think this, this, uh, I think Annie, the 1982 version is very problematic and for the reasons that we've said. And then his teachers forward, fast forwarded to the bit and they watched it and they went, oh, gosh, you're right. Yeah, mm. sorry about that. And they went and found the, the newer version of Annie. So, yeah, so, you know, so I think right. I've just sort of, I've tried to sort of educate my kids, you know, in the kind of, this kind of discourse so that mm. they don't 
um, shy away from it. And, you know, my son's in a position where he feels strong enough and validated enough and supported enough that he can you know, make these comments and call things out when he sees it. And, you know, he's only, oh. he's only 10 years old, you know he's what I mean? He's only 10. So, he's a little yeah. activist at school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love so I'm very, that. very proud. So I'm very inspiring. proud of him. Yeah, very proud of him. Oh, yeah. so you should be. You both should be. So I wanted to ask a couple of questions and, and I get your advice um, as to two women who are married with children. Um, I am 30 years old now and I'm single <laughs> and men are trash. <laughs> men are trash, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. I would love your advice on how to navigate finding a man <laughs> in this world and what do I need to do to, to do that? <laughs> I would say keep on being you because the man out there for you is out there who will accept you in all in all in all your glory basically mm. so don't change yeah. anything don't change right. anything what you're doing because why 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 should, why should you have to change mm. yeah. yeah I feel yeah. like I've done that lots of times before you know I actually I wore my KFC jumper on a date um and the guy didn't like the KFC jumper and I was like you're not for me <laughs> you're not for me <laughs> He actually said, I don't like your clothes. He said he didn't, he was like, he didn't find it funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wore, I love KFC. And also, yeah. like, it has, it's, a it's, cool a jump, it's a cool jumper. It's a cool jumper. Why would you not like it? Um, wow, that guy had to stick up his butt. <laughs> he's not, I mean, yeah, obviously, you did the right things. He's not for you. If he doesn't appreciate KFC yeah. and the fact that it's mm. funny that you're wearing a KFC um, hoodie, then, you know, yeah. what, you know, well, there's, no, there's no future in that relationship. So, no. it's, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess my main thing I find increasingly more and more the thing is you need to find someone who's aligned with your politics. Yes. Yes. That's, that is the most important thing. It doesn't matter if you don't like the same films. Mm-hmm. No. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's stuff you can argue about, like, you know, some of like my husband's bands that he likes, you know, like, Dave, <laughs> David, he likes the levelers. I can't stand the levelers. I've always hated them. <laughs> And on his birthday, he's allowed to listen to them out loud rather than just in his headphones. <laughs> months, you know? And so that stuff like that, that's, that's, a, kind of level, that's yeah. a level of compromise where we're at. Yeah. Like in yeah. terms of like, you know, our politics, um, mm. um, who we vote for, some just like your main belief on how like society should be structured. I think those, mm, yeah. those beliefs need to be aligned. Some of the other stuff you're going to learn on the way, because like, you know, like in terms of like race discourse, I'm much more educated now than I was 15 years ago mm. and so with my husband he's been on the journey with me he's much more mm. educated now than he was when we first met you know and he's he's mm. a great ally but he, mm. that's that's come come about because we've educated each other you know mm. and that's about long as but he's open to that you know mm. I don't think I could ever be with somebody who was was close to you know to like learning new things yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I think Viv the last time we all spoke together you were saying about how you practically interview people and I think that's a good thing to be honest. I, 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 I don't see any harm in doing that to be honest. You know, if because you want to feel, you know, the important thing is you need to feel safe and comfortable. Mm, um, yeah, and you don't want to think that this person's harboring thoughts that would not make you safe and comfortable, right? Yeah, um, so. yeah, that's the thing. I feel like sometimes, sometimes I interrogate them a bit too much, but actually, like it's it's there for a reason. I feel mm-hmm. like you know, and the ones that are able to understand and be able to talk about it because i'm learning like like you said Hung, like i'm i'm learning every single day mm. and like b- being vocal about my politics is something that i've only really discovered in like the past year in terms of actually talking about it mm. and um shaping my thoughts so i find it really difficult especially when it comes to white men i think and and trying to get them to the you know the same journey and actually like a 
perhaps there is that a bit of a bit of leniency when it comes to like the yeah. the racial politics um but I, I, at the same time i also can't be bothered educating as well you no. know it's too no. tough to do that it's not your job to teach mm. them you know mm. the, the, the one the, the one thing i would say that um people you don't well firstly you don't have to have an opinion on everything i don't trust people that have an opinion on everything because you can't know everything to be able to form a judgment right mm. so if people just saying they don't know or they don't have an opinion on something is fine mm. right the other thing is that people obviously can change well some people can change so uh, you know what home was saying about being on a journey i think that the same with me in my relationship because i've been i've been with my husband for Ooh, 22 years now wow, so yeah. it's, it's a long time and mm. so obviously when we were first together we, we met at university and you, you, there was no such thing as like a racial discourse you know what I mean we, we didn't talk about these things yeah. um, but in, we've grown together we've learned stuff together um, and you know I've read stuff and he's read stuff and he's read more than I have because mm. he, you know, frankly he needs to <laughs> a lot of, and, well no because a lot of the toolkits out there are yeah. for white people to understand mm. right so you know he's he's been trying to educate himself quite a lot mm. um and there's stuff that he didn't realize um which he does now mm. and i think that's really important yeah so yeah i, I feel like david my, my husband sort of stepped up after we had kids because then he was like you know because yeah because we have that purple baby do you know what i mean so mm. and and so and so the realization actually you know that you have to be an ally because your your child is is a person of color it's it's you know, quite a powerful thing really and um and so yeah so he's having to be more vocal and he is now you know it comes naturally to him now but where mm. he wouldn't have done before we had children i think but then, yeah again it's being like basically don't date a fascist if you'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be you know, fine yeah just yeah. make sure they don't subscribe to the daily mail you know <laughs> God, you'd or read be the spectator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be surprised by just like how how far and few between that is. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because before, like somebody who read the Guardian, that would be a marker of somebody who was okay. But like mm. you know, as we've not seen, not anymore. Now, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah that's a little bit different. It's it's very it's, it's the Guardian's not what it was. You know, it's you know I don't know. It doesn't come across. Yeah, it basically it's very suspect as well. So I don't mm. know. I don't know. What, what, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's a problem because you're in, you know we're in danger of sounding like conspiracy theorists. But it has got to the point where no, no, seriously. But it has got to the point where there are the, you look at mainstream media and a lot of it is a little bit kind of hmm, heading a certain way mm. because of the overton window you know like the right-wing views or you know cent- centrist so to right-wing views are yeah. becoming so normalized yeah. Yeah. um mm-hmm. no so, yeah. you're right you're right you know it's something i think i think just being critical of what we read like that's something i used to, just used to believe it blindly the mm. bbc even the bbc and now like i think you you just have to really be critical about everything you read. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you know we've, we've spoken before. Yeah, but we've spoken before about like the gaslighting, you know, yeah. for the for their own agenda. You know, mm. That's everywhere and yeah. for every subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you see all these headlines in previously respected newspapers saying, "Oh, the war against woke." <laughs> it's like, well, you know, woke is being alert to racial injustice, right? So why would you so... be we against being woke? You know, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. It's exactly, exactly. You know, and all these anti-social justice warriors. Like, why would you not be pro-social justice? Yeah. You know, who, I mean, yeah how why, is that why, an why insult? Was, why, why was anyone proud of that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. We're, we're the snowflake generation, apparently, and all, all, yeah. all that bullshit. Yeah. And apparently, free speech can only you know protect hate speech. Apparently, 
yeah yeah exactly tush is the worst for that i don't know i don't know how you survive on there mimi to be honest it's it's ridiculous the number of reports i have from twitter say no this wasn't a violation and it's like that's nice that's great (laughs) so you so you read all these 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 uh, like abuse abuse and attacks Mm. and people telling me to fuck off back to where i came from and it's not not a violation i mean if you think about twitter like it it didn't take um donald trump to basically forgive the insight sorry insight terrorism yeah. Yeah. to ban him you know after everything yeah. else he said so you know twitter exactly. will not look at the subtleties of language no. that they, so that's yeah. the problem no. that platform exactly check yourself twitter yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to share we're coming to the end of the podcast i feel like we've had a good old rant we, we've gone through a whole journey of emotions i think on the episode um, so I, I guess the main thing is you know please keep listening to our podcast and if you have if, if any of your listeners have suggested guests or topics for us let us know mm, um yeah. because you know we're really open-minded because you know we we will talk to anyone that we believe should be listened to um mm. so yeah drop us a line. and also <laughs> yeah come and listen to um our, our episode with viv viv she of course our episode. and you know we turn the tables we ask questions to viv it was so much fun i laughed so much uh, i i feel like would, would you ever and i've thought about this myself but i don't know whether i could bring myself to do this bring on someone who was like culturally appropriating um asian culture and then like just interrogate them and like try to like you know say for example hung we've seen um zing zing this this takeaway yes. in north yeah. london who have they say that they don't have uh, M- any msg and it's clean food Imagine yeah. getting the the owners of that that on the podcast and just being like, "So, why do you feel the way you feel?" <laughs> just yeah. seeing why, what they say. Why are you spreading propaganda? <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't think they invite the guys. I can't imagine ever they would ever come on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because if you come on, because then that would that would that would be trying that would be open to learning, and I don't think they would ever do that. And because yeah. we're not like question time, do you know what I mean? I don't feel like debate. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I was watching um, a comedian, J. Sue Long, you know, where she said like she's so fed up of debate because like you know you have, you have a right opinion, which is like for example, feed feed children, feed the children, feed the children who are hungry. There's no like wrong. There's no right like, or wrong. feed the children. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so I feel like there's no there's no debating. Um, it's, it's what, what Zing Zing are doing? Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's you don't want like... an opportunity to both side it, and you don't want an, yeah. uh, an opportunity for them. That's to what I was trying themselves. to say. That's why I love uh, Mimi because she can explain <laughs> what I'm trying to say better than me. because the issue is the mere fact of if they came onto our show, mm. it might look like validation. If people don't listen to the show itself, yeah. don't listen to what we're saying. The mm. fact that they're on as a guest, yeah, looks yeah. like we've rubber stamped what they're doing. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's quite interesting because I've thought about like how, if I if I invited someone a, a, a white person on who tried mm. to um, who tried to get a, across their points of like being colorblind and that we're all the same um, yeah. and like how actually those types of views are very damaging and and then hearing and not not outing them but kind of outing them just 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 yeah, to, yeah, yeah. just to hear that conversation mm. play out i feel like would it would obviously be so tiresome but also like it would be really interesting because quite often when when there's a debate about race there'll be like mm. four white people in the room and then a person yeah. of color will be in the room and then that person gets gaslighted so it would be the opposite mm. thing for them wouldn't it, it would, yeah. it but like which I, is why know. i actually think they wouldn't even agree to come on to yeah. yeah 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 that's yeah. true they're cowards <laughs> <laughs> we say 
they cowards we say the people that haven't actually given them an invitation um <laughs> But I also think the kind of useful conversations that happen, you know, for example, about like kind of kind of appropriation around food, mm. you know, those happen with people who are op- again open to those conversations. Really, so like for example, talking to Tim Anderson when Mimi talked to Tim Anderson about you know the issue of of a white man you know, cooking Japanese food, and instead he's he you know he's he speaks Japanese better than his ja- half Japanese wife, isn't it? Doesn't yeah. he? You know, so <laughs> so all those things are interesting, you know, and and with with kind of being on. In, on the same uh, page, only insight can happen. Whereas I think this kind of adversarial sort of uh, debating that that is kind of like popular right now. It's just I don't think it works. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also one of the things you know I was saying about how a podcast is a bit of a trap. I, 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 and her, Hung and I, I think, have very deliberately, maybe me more, tried to find people who are kind of media friendly that are well loved by everybody very much on purpose to try and get people to listen yeah so people like dan leopard so people like nigella lawson Mm -hmm. but we have deliberately steered the conversation in a way that you wouldn't necessarily normally hear yeah um because i I don't think anyone else sort of said oh you know nigella why are you so asian you know you know calling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. let's talk about your rice cooker nigella do you know what i mean those those kinds of conversations it's it's not a kind of interview that she normally has no exactly because it's not from the the white lens for once Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, there's Viv saying it much more expertly than either of us. <laughs> we're tired, no, no, but but it is. It, it's the fact that we're getting people that you might normally see on mm. This Morning mm. or whatever daytime TV show, mm. but talking with them and about them in a way that isn't normally, you know, their thing. And mm. I think that's really important um, as well. Totally, so. <laughs> totally. I found I found that I think through doing the work with BC and us spotlighting. Um, you know, people who are in the public eye and, and asking them the questions that they've never really been asked for. Like we, I spoke with um, uh, Howard Wong, who is the co-founder of Little Moon's Mochi Ice yeah. Cream. And it was it was brilliant because all the stuff that I'd read about him prior, you know, it doesn't really talk about his identity of, of being British born okay. Chinese. I didn't even know he was Chinese. Yeah. Because I didn't know his surname. I just knew he was called Howard. Yes. And so all along, this is terrible on my part, I just assumed it was some white dude. Yeah, yeah. He says he gets that a lot. He says he gets that a lot where people think it's a whitewashed product when actually his parents owned a bakery in... in london uh, a chinese bakery an asian bakery yeah. um and so he's grown up obviously around um like the the chinese version of mochi um and yeah it's it's in his blood and and that's him and his sister both co-founded it together yeah. but yeah people a lot of people the perception is it's a western brand yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's what i thought so you know i was really <laughs> it's terrible i was really pleased to find out it wasn't <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> And do you, know, do you know another one that I was pleased to find out about? Um, Made.com uh, is actually um, founded by someone who is Chinese. The furniture company? Yes, really? Made. made. Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's I love, interesting. I mean, that's I've really nice. Is he, chi- is he Chinese or is he... I think he is Chinese. He's, he's Asian. Sofa. He's I've got a sofa. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I love Made. That's really good to yeah, know. I've, yeah, I tried to slide into his DMs on LinkedIn because <laughs> I really love to interview him. And I'd be brilliant if you got him on your podcast. Yeah. It's not applied yet. Sometimes the sliding uh, DMs work, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's LinkedIn is a funny platform anyway. I hate LinkedIn. But you've just, you've, have you just, you've just um, decorated your, your flat, haven't you? Did you, did you order yeah. from them? 
I ordered from Maid, yeah. yeah. yeah well, there you go. You need to, need to, tag, you need to tag, tag, tag him. And, like, on the are they on Twitter? Like I just would, they yeah. are on Twitter. I wouldn't recommend because I'm waiting for a rug from them. It's taken them like nearly three months to, for a rug to arrive. <laughs> cut, cut this bit out of the podcast. You're trying to get him on. <laughs> no, we love Maid. Put, sort out your delivery, please. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that's really good to know. Yeah. See, this is the thing. You know, we go on about representation, like, yeah. like on the TV. This is just as important, mm-hmm. you know. We want to know that, like, you know, our food and our furniture mm-hmm. <laughs> and exactly. all that kind of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> have you seen, actually, just, um, I was just thinking about this this week. Have you seen Gok Wan's done an advert with Itsu to promote their dumplings? Oh, has it? And how, and how... Has it gone all Pan-Asian again? Lovely. Yeah, that gyoza <laughs> really means a lot to him. And it's like, but why? They're Japanese. <laughs> oh, don't. There is a... <laughs> there, there are a couple of um, um, cookbooks floating around about Burmese food, mm. and there was one that um, written by some people not in the UK. Mm. Um, and there was a sample chapter that I saw, and the, in the sample, the first recipe was is for gyoza, and I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, kind of, um, okay. okay, I don't. I'm, I'm very confused now. So I mean, it's, it's fine <laughs> if you've got a recipe for gyoza, but don't market yeah. it as as, as a Burmese food. cookbook. Yeah. Burmese, <laughs> Burmese dish. So confusing yeah. for everyone. <laughs> I know. What's going on? Oh, well, mm. thank you both for coming onto the podcast today. It's been lovely chatting again. <laughs> thank you for having <laughs> thank us. You. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and everyone, please listen to the MSG pod and, and please show your support for Myanmar as well. Yeah, sign the petitions, yes. please. <laughs> yes, sign the petition. Um, well, thank you very much. Um, and hope you both have a lovely day. Thank you. Thanks, Liv.